Bhagwan, you boombaclat. It's your old chuckle buddy. Kiss you. Janet and James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent March 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Janet and Ramcharan, the podcast. How you doing, folks? We're lost in the woods this episode. This episode brought to you by your local woods. <laughs> what a creepy sponsor. We're sponsored by the woods. <laughs> Would you ever buy a product if it was sponsored by your local woods? <laughs> baby and baby baby formula. Brought to you by the woods. <laughs> Always with wings. Heavy Flow Tampon, brought to you by The Woods, where no one can hear you scream. Where do you shop for your tampons? The Woods. Yeah, for bare shits in the woods. I haven't been in the woods in a minute. If you're new to the show, I hail from Toronto, Canada. So I live in a metropolis a major city, so, you know, it's not often I get into the woods. But whenever I reminisce on some of the horror I've faced in my life, you know, every now and then the woods comes up. <laughs> I, remember when I, I remember when I was a seven-year-old boy. When I was a seven-year-old boy. I had a friend named, uh, let's just call him Chucky. He even looked like Chucky. You know, that red-headed, freckle-faced devil doll, you know? <coughs> Chucky from those horror films, you know? He would, like, speak in tongues and conjure up evil and voodoo. <coughs> Chucky, you know? Child's play. This fucking red-headed, freckled-faced killer doll that would come to life well as a seven-year-old boy i had a friend named chucky that looked much like that fucking doll <laughs> and he was a fucking mental patient himself right so anyways one day me and chucky we're hanging out in the woods coincidentally right so we're walking around in the woods and we're hanging out and all of a sudden like i bend over to pick up a stick or something right and i'm fishing around then when I look up, where's Chucky? Chucky! Chucky! Cut it out, this isn't funny, Chucky! Chucky! I'm starting to get nervous, right? Where the hell's Chucky? So all of a sudden I hear a boom. I spin around, I look, there's Chucky holding a stick with a fucking shit turd on it, right? And he's laughing maniacally, <laughs> chasing me. I'm like, ah, 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 Chucky, no, don't do it, Chucky. Ah, ah, and I'm running, right? He's like, <laughs> chasing me with a shit turd. And I just ran screaming out of the woods, right? 
Some fucking crazy white boy with fucking freckles and red hair chasing me with shit on a stick. No major ending to that story. Just don't trust red-headed fucking children who try to drag you into the woods. That's the moral of that story. Anyways, folks, if you're new to the show, Janet Ramtra and the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service. Diploma in theater arts. Thespian to the bone, ladies and gentlemen. I was born for this. And, you know, business as usual. Um, here we are, March. Oh, how time flies. 2020's kicking along. Some interesting things to talk about. But um, off the top here, if you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramtra and the podcast, um, welcome. The previous episode, I was talking about Michaela Spielberg, the 23-year-old daughter of famed film icon Steven Spielberg. Now, Michaela Spielberg, this 23-year-old woman, for some reason or other, has ventured into the world of smut. Pornographic films. On the previous episode, I was speaking on that because it's like, yo, it's it's like nonsensical. Because it's like, why would somebody with, you know, the opportunity of a of coming from a well-to-do family with a famous, wealthy father, why would a person like that venture into the world of smut? It's nonsensical, right? It's like a last option career choice. It's like making the best out of a bad situation, right? It's like, you know, because the way she's doing it allegedly is she's making like, um, she's producing her own films and uploading them to various sites where she's in control of the production, she's making money off of her film, and she also wants to get her exotic dancer license to become like a stripper of sorts, of sorts, an exotic dancer. So that's what she's trying to do, like independent porn producer slash exotic dancer. <laughs> so, you know... And to be honest, I'd rather see Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I would, I'd rather see Steven Spielberg himself swing around that pole. I mean, if you take a look at this chick. I mean, she's cute in a very, like, non-traditional way. But it's like, whatever made her think, like, hey, you know, I'd rather see old... Sp- I'd rather see E.T. <laughs> E.T. phone home. I'd rather see E.T. strip on a pole than this thing. But anyways, God bless her. But here's the latest thing in regards to Michaela Spielberg. Um, This is an article from eOnline.com. Steven Spielberg's daughter, Michaela, arrested for domestic violence. Steven Spielberg's daughter, Michaela Spielberg, has been arrested on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence. 
The 23-year-old aspiring adult entertainer was booked into jail on Saturday morning. She was charged with a misdemeanor domestic violence assault with bodily injury and placed on a 12-hour hold, records show. Bail was set at 1000 That's it? <laughs> you can make that in half an hour. Strip it on the pole, strip it on the pole girlfriend. No wonder she got into this industry. That's it? $1,000? Bail? Her next hearing is set for March 9th. Details about the incident were not disclosed. Michaela lives in Nashville with her 47-year-old fiancé. She's a 23-year-old woman engaged to a fucking 47-year-old man. Okay, whatever. Details about the incident were not disclosed. Michaela lives in Nashville with her 47-year-old fiancé, fiancé, Chuck Pankow. He told Fox News the incident was a misunderstanding, adding, no one is hurt. This guy sounds like a pussy, man. He called the cops on his 23-year-old fiancé. <laughs> She's beating me! Why am I hitting myself? This doesn't make any sense. Who am I making fun of? If I have to beat myself to make fun of somebody, who am I really insulting? Anyways, that's for me to know. <clears throat> Let's continue here. Michaela had made headlines last week over a rare interview she gave to The Sun, in which talked about her aspirations to become an adult entertainer. She said she has started self-producing solo porn films, videos, and has applied for a sex worker license. <laughs> she also said she would be not she also said she would not be willing to have sex with another person on camera out of respect for her fiance. <laughs> that called the cops on her <laughs> for beating him. This fucking half a man. Okay. Chuck's been super supportive, but it took him a while to get Chuck has been super supportive, but it took him a while to get to that spot because he wasn't sure how his social group would react to it, she said. And thus far, it hasn't been the best, but that was expected because of the environment we live in now. People will be resentful about this. People will be angry because it's because it's like almost like I'm taking a piece of their security away by being independent. People sometimes can feel pretty entitled to your body, to your respect, to your time. Stephen, a father of seven, and wife Capshaw adopted Michaela in 1996. So I have 50% of the people going, let me see your boobs. And 50% of the people, how dare you ruin the last name for us, Michaela told the son. She told the newspaper she has a good relationship with her family. <laughs> yeah, they're over the moon to hear that you're a smut actress. I have amazing parents that had their struggles with me. I've had my fights and struggles with them. But it's only out of fear that people sometimes care incorrectly because they want you to be alive and safe, she said. They are some of the least spiteful people I know. I love them so deeply. That's why I've decided to become a fucking gagging porn actress. <laughs> yeah. So this young lady, 
first of all, look at the arrogance in this. Let me reiterate some of the things she said. Chuck has been very... Okay, no, not that. And thus far, it hasn't been the best, but that was expected because of the environment we live in now. People... People will be resentful about this. People will be angry because it's like almost like I'm taking a piece of their security away by being independent. People sometimes can feel pretty entitled to your body, to your respect, to your time. Okay, Miss Spielberg. Um, you take your father's last name out of this. This is a non-story. This is a fucking blip in the fucking eternal fucking continuum of eternity. This is a fucking meaningless story if you take your father's name out of this. Don't you, like, that's the strange thing about this. Because it's like, not the strange thing, but that's part of what annoys me about this. It's like the arrogance, because it's like, you're a 23-year-old girl entering the porn industry. If it wasn't for your father, no one would give a flying fuck. You would just be another lost soul to the flesh game. You've been chewed up and spit out the bottom end of show business. You're a porn star. <laughs> it's, it's a last option career. Sure, yeah, you can make money, I'm sure. You can have a safe, independent route in the porn industry. But it's... It's it's not this high-concept, um, debatable issue on ethics and body image and this and that and blah. It's smut. And no one would give a flying fuck if you weren't Steven Spielberg's daughter. She doesn't seem to see that, the way she talks in this article, you know. People will be resentful about this. People will be angry because it's almost like I'm taking a piece of their security away by being independent. Nobody gives a fuck. We're thinking about Saving Private Ryan, um, Jurassic Park, E.T., Jaws, The Color Purple, um, and so on and so forth. Schindler's List. You know, the amazing films your father has given us. And we look at a story like this like, wow, what's going on? It's nonsensical. And, you know, I guess I'm coming off a little bit testier than I did on the previous episode. It's just a sad story because it's like, it doesn't make much sense. Why would she do this? She has a lot of opportunity. And, you know... The Spielberg name can open pretty much any door. A wealthy, famous, iconic father. She could have literally been like, Daddy, I want to start a pony farm. And he'd be like, okay, well, go research how much ponies cost and we'll work up a budget and boodly boo, you could start a pony farm. Daddy, I want to, um, you know... Become a fucking clown. Sure, we'll get you the best clown training this side of heaven. We'll get you, like, whatever you need to become a certified clown. You could have done, she could have done anything, but she becomes a smut porn actress. 
a complete contradiction of what her father built. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's boggling my mind. And um, this latest domestic dispute, you know, she's on, you know, she's been locked up. Well, I guess she's out now on bail, $1,000 bail. And um, is she out on bail? What does it say here? Or is she still, was she able to make bail? You know, maybe she has really gone independent from her family. She couldn't even come up with a $1,000 bail. Let me see here. Diddly-dum, diddly-doo. No, she's out. I mean, I don't have to look for this. Um, The 23-year-old aspiring adult entertainer was booked into jail on Saturday morning. She was charged with a misdemeanor domestic violence assault with bodily injury and placed on a 12-hour hold record show. Bail was set at $1,000. Her next hearing is set for March 9th. So she's probably out. She was on a 12-hour hold. But hey, anyways, um, you know, as I also alluded to in the previous um, in the previous episode, um, I've had my, you know, kick at the cat doing stupid shit as a younger man. So while I don't judge this situation, I do have an opinion. It's like, why would she do that again to reiterate? Steven Spielberg, iconic film director. That name could have opened any door for whatever reason. She becomes a smut film actress. She's got a fiancé double her age, calling the cops on her in a domestic dispute. So, you know, what that all really means is that when you see these crazy stories in the news, you know, it's nice to keep a open heart for your fellow human being. Hopefully Michaela Spielberg um, finds the help she needs. I mean, it would be disingenuous for me to say I worry about her, I think about her. Like, I don't know. I just see a young lady obviously going through some things and I hope the best for her. And what I take away from that story is the gratitude where it's like, hey, like, I'm, you know, I am where I am in my life, in my career. And sometimes the grass is looking greener on the other side, you know? Here I am banging it out on YouTube doing my thing, you know, and sometimes you get to thinking, wow, wouldn't it be nice to know Steven Spielberg? Wouldn't it be nice to know a guy like Steven Spielberg? That would really help out the old career. Then you have his daughter who does something so seemingly or something so nonsensical. It's like, it really makes you think and it, and it really makes you have gratitude. So that's what I'm saying. God bless you, Michaela Spielberg. Hope you hope you find what you need during this time. And uh, in regards to what I'm doing, I'm just going forward as always, happy and hopeful and hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan. Actor extraordinaire. 
And as I alluded to, I am also a piece of shit. I am an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Three plus years of continuous sobriety. So that's why I try not to judge, you know. In the previous um, articles I read in regards to Michaela Spielberg, she suffered from alcoholism, bipolar disorder. Now she's entering the world of pornographic film. So it would be hypocritical of me to sit here and cast so much judgment as a recovering alcoholic myself, as a man who has, you know, I've paid for escorts, I've paid for strippers, and I understand that world sometimes, the world of alcoholism, addiction, confusion. It can be very nonsensical, and you can make a lot of bad decisions. But um, luckily, through my recovery, I have more peace and accountability today. What I did was I joined a 12-step program that's nothing official. There's no dues, no fees, no emphasis on religion. This is basically group therapy. These are meetings that you can attend pretty much anywhere all over the world. That's how far the program reaches. You attend these meetings. Um, you get to share. You get to share on issues pertaining to your recovery. Then you get to listen. You get to hear from others. And through that, you become a part of a community. And you come out of your isolation because alcoholism, addiction, it's very isolating, self-centered, self-absorbed, antisocial behavior. And you come out of your isolation, day by day your days add up, then one day you find yourself in a new life and you can see the forest. You can see the forest for the trees, so to speak. Is that a tree? Is that a tree? You can see the forest for the trees and, you know, you can make better decisions, more informed, more sound decisions. Because as I relate to this young lady, Michaela Spielberg, life is tumultuous. It can be rambunctious and, you know, a bit of a brouhaha. So, you know, a thorough recovery can definitely help in flushing that out. And, um, yes, I definitely encourage anyone out there suffering to give it a try. And also to keep an open mind, you know. When I, was at a, when I was at the end of my rope, you know, I was trying everything. Everything to um, get a grasp of sobriety. And 12-step recovery really worked for me. And it's very thorough. There's a lot of accountability. The first step in a 12-step program being number one. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. So when you admit that, that's like admitting that alcohol had power over you and you became powerless to it and your life is unmanageable. So it's like being straight up accountable and moving forward 
to the solution. And there's other things that come into play, 12-step recovery, you know, dealing with your resentments, making amends to people that you have harmed or wronged, um, you know, seeking more of a inner stability, all that type of work. So, you know, it's very valuable. And again, I do recommend it if you're out there. So there you have it, folks. Janet the Ramcharan, alcoholic. I am also a janitor. <laughs> I'm talking mop buckets, slop buckets, toilets, tampons, urinals, urinal cakes. Um, the whole kit and caboodle, ladies and gentlemen. Parking lots, garbage bins, recycle bins, organic waste bins. You know, the whole kit and caboodle. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. I'm a motherfucking janitor. I push a little mop bucket. I dip the mop in the mop water. Then I mop the floor. You know? I wash windows. You know? I push a garbage trolley. You know? I vacuum. I vacuum. And if it's good for the goose, then it's good for the gander, you know? As I mentioned, alcoholic. Um, so having a nine to five gig keeps me focused, earning an honest income on point with my recovery. It's a blessing. And number two, I am a an actor extraordinaire and expenses come up. Um, some of the new things that I'm rocking with in 2020 is more of a production angle to my craft. Because, I, because as an actor, I've been mainly focused on just performing. Well, now, um, as time has progressed, I'm thinking more towards production. And it takes money to make money. So having this 9 to 5 gig also facilitates my performing. Because, um, yeah, like any industry, it takes money to make money. You need a little bit of fluidity in the old change purse to, you know, make a splash, so to speak, in the industry. So, yeah, I'm very fortunate for that. And one thing I'm looking at... Um, in my janitorial in my janitorial career one thing i've been thinking about as of late is the idea of utility yes utility utility is something that's very important across industry whatever you're doing um on previous episodes this year, I'd been speaking about how as I'm moving forward in my performing career, looking to take on more of a producer role, a production role, more money, more problems, you know, trying to step things up more, um, you know, stress can occur. So I was finding myself getting a little bit bent out of shape last couple weeks 
in this new year as I've been reaching for my goals and trying to make some changes in my overall career, um, I was starting to get really stressed in my day job as a janitor. But the idea of utility has come to mind as of late because it's like, you know, when you're working... When you're working towards your goals, it's very important to stay focused. And I was finding as a janitor, there's a lot of people just trying to drag me into their nonsense, their world, their wants, their complaints. I have this supervisor. She's a Peruvian lady, right? She's from Peru. Jonathan, Jonathan, did you do this, Jonathan? Jonathan, did you clean the toilet, Jonathan? Did you change the paper towels, Jonathan? Right? And generally speaking, we get along great. But as of late, a lot of people have been absent from work. They're calling in sick. They're doing this, they're doing that, right? So she was just busting my chops. Busting my hump the last few days. Jonathan, you didn't take out the garbage, Jonathan. Jonathan, did you change the paper towels? Jonathan, Jonathan, what do you want me to do about it? What the hell do you want me to do about it? I'm running around like a chicken with my fucking head cut off, changing garbage bins, changing recycling bins, changing paper towels, toilet paper. What the hell do you want me to do about it? You know? We got the coronavirus scaring everybody half to death. I'm wiping down elevator buttons. I'm wiping down banisters i'm rushing around you know ah what do you want me to do about it am i supposed to cure the fucking coronavirus you know they've been just busting my chops busting my chops lately Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. so i was getting bent out of shape a little stressed out you know it's like i'm trying to do my acting career i'm trying to trying to step it up with the Production. I want to maybe venture into some filmmaking endeavors. I want to do this. I want to do that. All I want to do is just go to work, do my job, go home. Now I'm getting fucking brow beaten, clunked over the head with all this BS hogwash nonsense that isn't even really my fault or anything to do with me. The issue is that we are short-staffed. And instead of seeing that, they're just like heaping all this responsibility on me, right? And I found myself getting stressed, you know? I felt like my my um, performing, my acting performing endeavors were starting to falter. I felt like my working out, my health, you know, I hadn't been working out as strong as I had been. So that was starting to really piss me off, peeve me off. And then, you know, it came to a point where I had to play hooky. You know, Jonathan over here, Jonathan over there, Jonathan do this, John. Ah, what do you want me to do about it? I'm playing hooky. Last week, I woke up one day, right? I was just like, yo, I ain't going into work today. Fuck this. <laughs> And I just sent my I sent my manager a text message. Oh, uh, hey, it's Jonathan. Uh, sorry, uh, can't make it in today. Not feeling very good. 
send. And I played hooky and I took the day off and, and, you know, I watched some YouTube videos, chilled out, bumbled around. And then I kind of sat back, soul searched, and I, and I realized, you know what? My job works for me right now. I have my goals. I have my vision. And I'm not ready to go anywhere. I'm not ready to quit my job. You know? I guess I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but I was feeling that urge to like, you know, quit my job and fuck it all. Just fuck everything, right? But it's like, no. You got to learn how to work smarter, not harder. I've done the starving artist thing. Sleeping on couches, living in men's shelters, living on a shoestring, you know? What they fail to tell you is that, you know, it's only cute to be a starving artist if and when you make it. If that doesn't happen, then you're just a pathetic, washed-up, has-been hack, loser, chump, you know? Living on somebody's couch, begging for a meal. You're a complete loser, a man-child. That's what you are if you don't make it. And, um, you know, you live that starving artist lifestyle until the cows come home. So I'm like, well, I can't just up and quit my job. That would be irresponsible. I'm working towards um, a lot of things in my career, and I'm feeling pretty good about it right now. I'm just getting a little bit stressed. So I played hooky that day, took the day off, thought it out, and then I came up with the realization, utility. And what is the definition of utility? Just so we're all on the same page here. Q-R-S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-N-Z. Now I know my eye by size. Next time won't you sing with me? Utility. The state or quality of being useful. A public service as the providing of electricity or gas. So to my point, the state or quality of being useful, utility. The job is useful to me for now. Um, And I'm trying to find ways in which to keep it just about work. You know, keep it useful, keep it about work. Have it work for me. And what I've been doing is, you know, being very um, to the point, you know. I don't socialize with some of my coworkers as much. I don't want to get worked up and bent out of shape with their problems. They're this, they're that. That's all, folks. They're talking and complaining and gossiping. I just keep it about work. I keep it useful. I keep it to the point. And there's a lot of utility in that, you know, and that's relatable across industry, you know, it feels good, it feels good to go out in a ball of flames, like Jerry Maguire, you know, what did he do, I'm taking these goldfish, fuck you motherfuckers, 
help me help you. Or what did he do? You know, then he then he bent then he bent. Uh, what the fuck did he do? Remember that scene where he's just like, I'm leaving. And he fucking packs up the place and he takes the goldfish and fuck you motherfuckers. And I'm free, free falling. Then that kid, that little cute kid with the glasses started laughing about something. Then he made out with Renee Zellweger and goes, you complete me. You know, we all want to pull a Jerry Maguire and storm out of the place. Fuck everybody, I'm taking the goldfish. But like... You need to realize, well, you don't need to do anything, but at least what I'm realizing is there's utility in what I do. I ain't no dummy. And as I work forward with my goals, it's just about like calming down that um, need for control, the need for this, the need for that, the blah, 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 blah. Tunnel vision on the end goal. Hallelujah. Until then... Until I get to that end goal, I'm just going to keep pushing that mop bucket. <laughs> keep fucking washing them windows. <laughs> you know, pushing that garbage trolley. <laughs> you know, vacuuming. <laughs> and if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. You know, utility, folks. It's relatable. You know, don't go out in a ball of flames. Stand the test of time. Take what is useful for you and yours and block everything else out. And you will move and you will move forward to a better day. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Janitor Ramcharan. Janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes. Um eleven years of service. And um, I'm feeling very, again, grateful. Um, I'm feeling like um, there was a bunch of things that have come out over this past um, couple months of 2020. You know, it's like, Moving forward, moving ahead, making changes. And, you know, I would be I would be lying to try to make some big joke about it or laugh about it or whatever. It's like, it's been very thought-provoking. I've had to make a lot of changes, a lot of concessions. And what I'm doing right now is I'm just getting back to comedy and the utility in that being I'm just being about performance I'm not going to have any airs no qualms or gripes or complaints like I'm just going to be desperate for that stage again desperate to get on that stage and do my thing hungry for it ravenous for it you know Because, you know, I don't have the luxury to have an opinion. That's what I'm starting to see. It's like, I don't have the luxury to have an opinion or wants or complaints. It's like, 
it is what it is. It's right in front of me and I have to take it for what it is. And um, very soon I'm going to have more to talk about in regards to that. Um, this is all sounding very cloak and dagger and hidden and shrouded. But as I've spoken about, there's what you want and then there's what you get. And that's where I'm suffering, ladies and gentlemen. There's what I want and there's what I get. So I'm learning to want what I get if I can't get what I want, if that makes any fucking sense. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian. And those are the four things that sum me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. Gonna take a sip of coffee here. Oh yeah. All right, folks. Let's get into the news. Uh, what's going on this news cycle? The coronavirus. This is a beast, man. People are talking about this. People are huffing and puffing and belly aching about it. I personally think it's on the downswing, even though sources are stating almost the opposite. I think it was a smoke and mirror um, eclipse to kind of pacify and nullify some of these big, big, big world events that have been popping off at the top of 2020. News outlets were calling it potential World War III, U.S.-Iran tensions, you know? The unilateral bombing of Iran by President Donald Trump taking out General Soleimani. Yeah, that was like, whoa, this guy just started a pissing match. And in retaliation to that, there was a missile strike that took down a Ukrainian jet flying out of um, Iran, which killed something like under 200 passengers, like something like 170 passengers, several Canadian passengers, several Iranian, several Ukrainian, I think as well. Either way, civilian casualties. So this whole pissing match that began between the U.S., and Iran, which dragged Canada into the equation. People were talking about this as like potential World War III. Then conveniently enough, the coronavirus ah, hits the stage, eclipsing um, all these global affairs. But here we go on the latest of it. Um, this is an article from... CBC.ca, COVID-19, here's what's happening around the world. US, U.S. death toll rises to six. Outbreak surges in South Korea. South Korea's coronavirus outbreak surged and millions of children in Japan stayed home from school Monday as officials wrestled with the epidemic in more than 60 countries. 
The number of new viruses, cases, virus cases in China dropped to its lowest level in six weeks, Monday, and hundreds of patients at the outbreak's epicenter were being released from hospital, while a grimmer reality set in elsewhere, with swelling infection numbers and growing dread that no area could fend off the illness. I'm like talking over like the screaming mental patient drug addict fucktards outside my window. Shut up! (laughs) Sorry, folks. I'm screaming at the people outside. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) It worked. (laughs) I think it worked. Like these drug addicts are like screaming outside my window. I just yell at them to shut up. It worked. (laughs) Okay, back to the coronavirus. Um, China, where the epidemic began in December, reported 202 new cases on the mainland over the previous 24 hours, with another 42 deaths. That brings the country's total number of cases to 80,026, with 2,912 deaths recorded in all. 2,912 deaths recorded in all. The city of Wuhan accounted for most of these new cases, but also saw 2,570 patients released. China still has about three-fourths of the world's nearly 89,000 cases worldwide. But outbreaks were surging in other countries. More than 3,000 people have died worldwide. Okay. So basically, China has about three-fourths of the world's 89,000 cases of the coronavirus. And more than 3,000 people have died worldwide. Hey, these are the times, food for thought. Um, I believe it's an epidemic, but I also believe it's convenient timing. A bit of a convenience in the timing. Potential conspiracy theory? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Alrighty. What else do we have here? Oh, yes. My name's Prince Harry. Hello there, Governor. My name's Prince Harry. I married myself a black woman. I like black pussy. My name's Prince Harry. If you think my name's Harry, then you've never tasted black pussy. (laughs) Prince Harry. Canada will not pay for Prince Harry and Meghan's security after March. Good riddance, you fucking bozos. Government reveals RCMP has protected the couple, couple since November, but will stop in coming weeks. Canada has been providing RCMP security to Prince Harry (laughs) and Meghan Markle. Well, Meghan, whatever the fuck his last name is. What is the fucking... I just call him Prince. Your Royal Highness. Do they even have last names? Who knows? Canada has been providing RCMP security to Prince Harry and Meghan since November. 
Public Safety Canada tells CBC News. After weeks of speculation about whether Canadians would have to pay for the couple's security bills while they are in this country. But the government of Canada intends to stop providing that service to the couple in the coming weeks, says the Office of Public Safety, Minister Bill Blair, as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex ceased to be active members of the royal family on March 31st. I'm sorry, folks. I don't know if you can hear this. There's like children screaming behind me. So like I'm not even, I can't even hear what I'm saying. I'm, just, I'm talking like a mile a minute. But the government of Canada intends to stop providing that service to the couple in the coming weeks, says the Office of Public Safety Minister Bill Blair, as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex ceased to be active members of the family, royal family, on March 31st. Blair's department sent a statement to the CBC News Thursday morning. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex choosing to relocate the Duke and Duchess of Sussex choosing to relocate to Canada on a part-time basis presented our government with a unique and unprecedented set of circumstances. It reads, The RCMP has been engaged with the officials in the UK from the very beginning regarding security considerations. As the Duke and Duchess are currently recognized as internationally protected persons, Canada has an obligation to provide security assistance on an as-needed basis. At the request of the Metropolitan Police, the RCMP has been providing assistance to the Met since their arrival of the Duke and Duchess to Canada intermittently since November 2019. The assistance will cease in the coming weeks in keeping with their change in status. Yes, so the government of Canada will no longer be funding the security bill for Prince Harry and Meghan and their baby Archie. I don't know why they named their baby Archie. It's obvious. His name should be Archie. You know, Meghan, why would you name your baby Archie? You married Archie. You should have named it Jughead. I'd rather my fucking name be Jughead than Archie any fucking day of the week. But anyways, um, apparently, too, it's a pretty steep um, bill for security. I'm trying to scroll down here to the uh, figures. Um, yes, so check this out. Security experts, including retired Met Police Protection Officers, have estimated that the cost of protecting the couple in their new life could fall in the range of $10 million to $30 million a year. Yeah, so I guess it's pretty expensive to, you know, provide security for the royal Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So now that they have um, relinquished their royal duties, they can move into like, you know how sometimes you see apartment buildings that are called like, you know, Sussex apartment buildings. Or Sussex um, duplexes. How fucking funny would that be if the Duke and Duchess of Sussex actually moved into like some cheesy fucking flop house, some dirty dive? Sussex Arms. And like the fucking, you know, East Hastings 
end of, of Vancouver. East Hastings is like a fucking drug den in Vancouver. It's like a really shady part of town. So wouldn't that be hilarious? The Duke and Duchess of Sussex move into the fucking heroin house Sussex Arms in East Hastings, Vancouver. <laughs> but anyways, I guess that's newsworthy. Um, but I was also thinking about it. It's like, it is pretty interesting if, you know, you got a person who's born into the royal family. Prince Harry. Then he marries a famous, well, famous, a somewhat known actress, Meghan Markle. And yes, it's easy to, well, it's not that it's easy, but it's like kind of common sense to look at that and be like, what the fuck? But it's also a thing where it's like, all right, well, they're moving forward. They're trying to be more worldly. As a couple, they, they want to drop the whole royal moniker. They want to be as common and as normal as possible. And they want to be independently... Um, to, they want to live independently. They want to start like charity organizations. So it's like they're taking their status as internationally recognized people a part of the royal family they're taking that identity and from some of the articles i read they're wanting to you know be independent start charities help basically so it is pretty honorable in a sense when you think about it because it's like he couldn't help it Hello there, my name's Prince Harry. He couldn't help it. He was born a prince. And instead of just being some gallivanting playboy, bouncing from place to place, dumb thing to dumb thing, scandal to scandal, you know, he's married, he has a child, and he wants to give back. He wants to start charities, use his stature to help people. So... I think it's honorable. And, you know, and he he's ravenous for the black pussy. <laughs> so, my hat's off to you, Prince Harry. May God speed. God save the queen. <clears throat> anyway, do you hear this? This is what I'm contending with. Got fucking children screaming in the hallway. Should I yell at them? Shut up! <laughs> Is that mean to yell at kids? Please shut up! <laughs> Alright. Yeah, they're kids. What can you do? Little munchkins. Yo, this song's dedicated to all the babies, all the children, all the little babies around the world playing hopscotch. All the munchkins, yo, big baby Jesus. I can't wait, nigga, fuck that, I can't wait. Big baby Jesus, I can't wait, nigga, fuck that, I can't wait. ODB. Wu-Tang's for the children. All right, what are we doing here? Um, oh yeah. Hot Pockets. Check this out. 
This is the latest in um, some, speaking of children, this is the latest in um, an ongoing, uh, what do you call it? An ongoing trend amongst the wealthy when it comes to their fucking dirty, deplorable, brat, fucking entitled, little shit-stained children. Check this out. This is an article from cbc.ca. Heiress to Hot Pockets Fortune gets five months in prison for college admissions scam. <sighs> Michelle Janvis, Janavis, Michelle Janavis admitted to rigging her two daughters' college test scores. <gasps> An heiress to the Hot Pockets microwavable snack fortune. <laughs> Everybody knows pizza pockets are better. But anyways, an heiress to the Hot Pockets microwavable snack fortune was sentenced to five months in prison Tuesday for trying to cheat and bribe her daughter's way into school as part of a U.S.-wide college admissions scam. <gasps> Michelle Janavis, whose father and uncle invented Hot Pockets, so this lazy bitch didn't even invent them. You know, she's just been eating them. And living off the royalties, you fat, bloated slob. Anyway, Michelle Janavis, whose father and uncle invented Hot Pockets turnovers before selling their company, showed no emotion as the judge delivered her sentence after she apologized for abandoning her moral compass and hurting her family and friends. I am very, so very sorry that I tried to create an unfair advantage for my children, she said. The judge, the judge told Janavis that prison time was needed to deter others who might have the gall to use their wealth to break the law and dismissed her argument that her actions were motivated by love for her children. <laughs> the vast majority of parents do not brazenly try to push their kids in the side door of universities through bribery. U.S. District Judge Nathaniel Gordon said, They don't love their children any less than you do. They just play by the rules of common decency and fair play. Amen. Janavis of Newport Coast, California, is among nearly two dozen prominent parents who have admitted to participating in the scheme by paying huge sums to people willing to cheat on entrance exams for their children or pretend their children were star athletes for sports they didn't play. That's crazy. Janavis admitted to paying the consultant at the center of the scheme, Rick Singer, 100,000... Janavis admitted to paying the consultant at the center of the scheme, Rick Singer, $100,000 U.S., to have a proctor correct her two daughters' ACT exam answers. She also agreed to pay $200,000 U.S. to have one of her daughters labeled as a fake beach volleyball recruit at the University of Southern California, but was arrested before the girl was formally admitted, prosecutors said. Uh... Uh, blah, 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 yada, yada, doodly do. She is truly a good human being. She did an extremely wrong thing here, Thomas H. Bernhardt Jr. told the judge. 
I guess that's her uh, lawyer. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Her family's company, Chef America, was sold to Nestle in 2002 for more than $2 billion U.S. Wow. Other parents who have pleaded guilty in the case include Desperate Housewives star Felicity Huffman, who was sentenced to two weeks in prison for paying $15,000 to have a proctor correct her daughter's SAT answers. Is that a proctologist? They stick their finger up their kid's butt? Yep, you got an A. A plus. Uh, for paying $15,000 to have a proctor, proctologist, correct her daughter's SAT answers. Fifteen other parents, including Full House actor Lori Laughlin and her fashion designer husband, Mossimo Giuliano, Mossimo Giannunuli, are fighting the charges. The couple, who are accused of paying $500,000 U.S. to get their daughters into USC, USC, could go on trial as early as October. Yeah. So this actress, Lori Laughlin of Full House fame, and her designer husband, Mosimo Giannululi, are fighting the charges. The couple, who are accused of paying $500,000 U.S., to get their daughters into USC could go on trial as early as October. Yeah, so a lot of these, um, you know, wealthy, you know, people are doing this. Fudging and fixing the numbers on their um, children's entrance exams to these prestigious universities. And what I take away from all this is, hey, I ain't going to begrudge people for um, being wealthy and well-to-do. But hey, as the judge said, they want to make a point to deter people who think that they are above the law, above the rules. It's pretty pathetic. I mean, you have the fortune of being very successful and wealthy. Why do you need more of an upper hand? I mean, your children are already playing with an upper hand, you know, a stacked deck, you know, they come from a wealthy, well-to-do family. Why else, why do you have to feel the need to, you know, to be above the law and cheat? You know, it's, it's really kind of an ugly look. And it really, and it really, it really goes to my point that, or my belief rather, that school basically pay to play. That's all it is. That's all an education really is. It's you pay to play. You pay to become a blah, 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 blah. Then you get the job. Unless you're doing, like, engineering, you know, like, sciences, things of that nature where it takes numbers, math, you know, science, shit like that. Most jobs are basically, do you have reading and writing comprehension? Can you communicate? 
Can you show up? That's what a job basically is. Can you communicate? Can you show up? Do you have common sense? Can you send an email? Okay, you got the job. Most jobs are just like salesmanship, basically, right? Unless you're dealing with like sciences, medicine, even trade, you know, like um, I think like, you know, an electrician, a plumber, you know, labor, um, you know, carpentry, all that stuff is very, um, you have to have a strong grasp on, um, you have to have a strong understanding of what you're doing, but there's a lot of jobs out there in the world where it's basically pay to play. And that's what these dummies, these bozos with the fucking pizza pocket fortune and um, all these entitled people are doing. They're paying to play. So yeah, not a surprise. Have to admit. All right. And what else do we got here? Yeah. That's pretty much what's going on in the news as of late. But yes, as I mentioned, um, in my job as a janitor, as an actor, as a stand-up comedian, I'm focusing on utility, making use of what's around me, what I'm doing, in the hopes of furthering my career. I don't got no fucking pizza pocket money, you know, hot pocket. <laughs> kind of ironic too, you know, as you know, there's all that scandal and, you know, seedy underbelly, you know, hot pocket. That bitch got some hot pockets, you know, but, you know, I don't come from no pizza pocket Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> fucking background. So it's like, I'm trying to have some utility in what I do. And part of that, too, is just staying healthy, right? And um, I signed up for a gym membership, you know? I'm trying to keep myself going. I do a lot of, like, push-ups, sit-ups, jogging. But I think I could benefit from, like, you know, regimented workouts. I miss going into the gym pumping iron, um, running on a treadmill. There's something very, there's a lot of utility in that. Regimented workouts. When you have a place to go, do the work, bang it out, you know you're there for business. There's something regimented about that, checking into the gym. When I work out at home, it's too easy to be like, ah, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't do it, nah, whatever. And um, the, the, the utility is lost on that, right? So this new gym membership, um, I'm looking forward to dipping into that. Just recently got signed up. But it was a bit of a headache, you know what I mean? I go down to the gym. There's this bozo. I guess he's going to take me on a tour. Hello there, sir. How are you? Thank you very much for coming to the gym. We're going to take you on a tour of the facility. Are you ready to go for a tour of the facility? 
I'm like, yeah, sure. So he's giving me this sales pitch, you know, this fucking... Over here, sir, we have the uh, tanning bed, the massage chair. Over here, sir, we have the uh, treadmill, the weights, the this, the that, the blah, 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 the fucking babble. And I know it's all just one fucking sales pitch. But I'm trying to be open-minded, right? And the whole time, the guy's just disgusting me, right? He's burping, right? Over here, sir. Pardon me. Over here, sir, we have the treadmill. And it's just fucking smelling like garlic, right? <laughs> this asshole's trying to stick me with the coronavirus, right? <laughs> Burping up a storm. Over here, sir, we have the tanning bed. I'm like, do I look like I'm going to fucking tan? You fucking dummy. Quit burping garlic fucking garlic rings in my fucking face. Quit fucking spreading the coronavirus and just shut the fuck up and, you know, show me what I even want to see. You know, I I, I ask him. I'm like, yo, do you guys have like a pull-up bar? I don't know, sir. But anyway, over here. So let me get this straight. You're going to show me what I don't want to see instead of showing me what I want to see. Just show me what I want to see. I asked you, is there a pull-up bar? Is there a um, kettlebells? Is there this? Is there that? <laughs> no, sir. Over here first. Blah, 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 blah. Ah, whatever, right? So I'm just, I'm getting nauseous. This guy's burping in my face and shit. Finally, he gets the end to the end of his spiel, right? And he goes, okay, sir, but... um. There's several different payment options, and there's this payment that I'm like, dude, this is what I want. And he gets all pissy, right? You know, he gets all pissy. I'm not trying to go for the hard upsell. I'm not trying to go for the hard upsell. I'm like, well, if you're not trying to go for the hard upsell, why aren't you just listening to me? I told you, I want to think about it. I might want this. I might want that. But I'm going to need a moment, right? But I'm not trying to go for the hard upsell. I'm not trying to go for the hard upsell. And he's burping garlic at me. He loses his temper and he starts babbling at me. And all he had to do was listen to me. I basically told him, look, I don't know which option I want. There's two options when you're signing up for the gym membership. I'm like, I don't know which one I want, but I'm basically going to take one. It's either this one or that one. Why don't you leave me your name? I can mention your name if that helps you. I don't know if he's on commission. I don't know what the deal is. He gets all pissy. But I'm not trying to do an upsell. I'm not trying to blah, blah, blah. Talking over me. Steam rolling over me. So I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. Whatever. I wind up, um, you know... You know, I take a little bit of an annoyance to that. I'm like, why is this guy talking over me, this, that, and the other? I'll take my business to a different salesman. So instead of giving him the potential commission, I went and gave it to this other person. Just because he was just making me nauseous with the burps, talking over me, losing his temper. Like, um, the second I told him, he was playing with a pen, right? He had a pen in his hand. And the second I told him, okay, well, thank you. This all sounds very good, but I'm going to have to think about it, right? He's like, nah. and he like snaps the pen. And I look at him, right? 
Oh, sorry, sir. It slipped. The pen slipped, and this the pen slipped. Getting all pissy with me, but um, hey, fuck it, you know. <laughs> um, long story short, I'm signed up for my gym membership, you know, and you know, it's all about that utility. Don't take guff from a person. If somebody wants to try to talk you into a deal that you don't want, you speak up and say what you want. You make the decisions you want. And, you know, it's all about that utility, making the best use of your time. And going forward, I'm going to like keep it fit, keep it happening and um, keeping it hallelujah. What else can I do, y'all? It's your Tucker buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtram reporting live for duty on this magnificent March 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2020. Yes. Coronavirus, blah, blah, blah. Coronavirus, da, da, da. Entrance, exams, scandal, you know. Prince Harry. <laughs> Fitness. Utility. All them things. What do you think about it? Hit me up. JR.thepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. It's been a bit of a bumpy patch, I have to admit. I can't lie. Um, a lot of food for thought here on Jonathan Ramchand and the podcast this last couple episodes. But hey, I'm dealing with it. I'm having some utility with it. And if you have any questions, queries, or qualms, please do hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Spotify. I'm on iTunes. I have my own website. Jonathan underscore Ramcharan. No, wait. Jonathan dash Ramcharan.com. Is that what it is? Yes. Jonathan dash Ramcharan.com. So do check me out there. And again, till next time. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight? Peace!